Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. The reason, the reason we're doing, we're doing Play-Doh, obviously it's kind of fun and interesting, but the reason we're doing it, it comes from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. And what 1 Timothy 4, 12 says is it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. There's the verse right there if you don't have your Bible. So this is kind of the verse we're using for our launching point each week as we're doing a series. And what's interesting about this verse, I've got example highlighted. What's interesting about that word is if you look it up in the Greek, um, anybody remember what the word is in the Greek? I'm making you repeat it every week, and I'm hoping maybe somebody will actually remember it. Cora, Tipo, yeah. It kind of sounds like, like a little, little terrier dog, like, come here, Tipo, come here, come here. But um, it's this word, Tipo, the same word that is translated into an example in 1 Timothy 4.12 is also translated, and it also appears when the Bible is talking about how Jesus had impressions put in his hand that were left over after he died on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, they nailed his hands to the cross. When he rose from the dead, it says that he bears the scars, the imprints of, of, of those nails, and that he'll always have those um, imprints and he'll always have those scars. That same word is also here, and it, it means something that was, was forged by a blow, something that left a mark. So what we're talking about is how can we leave an impression as Christians on other people, because there's a lot of people that don't believe in Christ, and that's our job is to reach them. So what we learned is every time we every time we're around people, we leave an impression on them. It's just like Play-Doh. Every time you touch Play-Doh, you leave an impression. So we've been talking about these areas in which we're supposed to leave the right impression. We talked about speech. We did that two weeks ago. We were Ephesians four twenty nine. We're you know talking about don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Last week um, we talked about conduct. How. You're a preacher and you don't even know it. The life you live preaches a sermon. What's the sermon your life is preaching? Tonight, we're talking about L-O-V-E, love. So look at the person next to you and say in, in, your, in your most Barry Whiteiest voice, love. Okay? <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta get real deep and say love. Okay? So usually when we think of love, usually when we think of love, what do we think of? We think of Disney princesses and princes, um, we think of maybe a love song, a Luke Bryan love song, I don't know, um, maybe not, hopefully not. Um, but when we, think, when we think of love, when we think of love, in this verse, the word for love, I'm going to teach you another fancy foreign word here, another fancy foreign word here, um, it's called agapao. Everybody say that, say agapao. You got to like, yeah. if you want to say it legit, you got to say it like that. Um, it comes from the Greek word um, agape, um, and w- this is what it means, affection, goodwill, or brotherly love, so a deep love. It says that we're supposed to leave an impression of deep love on everybody we come in contact with, so, but here, here's, here's the problem, here's kind of the rub. I think e- even if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, probably what you know um, and maybe you even kind of believe this, is that Jesus was someone who was a loving person. Even people I know that don't believe in Christianity, most of them will say Jesus is a loving person. But you know what the problem is? That m- most people I talk to about Jesus, they give me, they're like, yeah, Jesus is great. We know Jesus was about love, but what's up with these Christians? 
if Jesus is about love and Christ is about love, why are these Christians so unloving? A guy wrote a whole, a whole book about this, about how the people's opinions of Christianity, they love Jesus, but they feel as if Christians don't have the same love as Jesus. A very famous person who was not a Christian, his name was Gandhi. Anybody ever heard that name before, Gandhi? Um, he, he, white girls seem to post a lot of inspirational quotes by Gandhi on their Instagram. Um, but, but, but remember this, Gandhi was not a Christian, so if you want truth, don't look to Gandhi, look to Jesus. Um, but Gandhi gives us a, a good outsider's perspective of what people think of Christians. Like Gandhi was not a Christian. He believed in reincarnation. He didn't eat steak because he thought he may be eating his grandma. You know, so, so, so Gandhi's not someone we should look to for truth, but here's his perspective, what he noticed about Christians. Because Gandhi was in India, and all these Christians from England went over to India to evangelize India and tell them about Jesus, and here's what he said. He said, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your, your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Jesus walked to the earth, and he left an impression of love on everyone he came in contact with. And when he went back to heaven, he left us here to continue his ministry of leaving impressions on others. But I, I gotta say, I think we've, we're failing in this, in this aspect. We don't always leave the mark or the impression of love on people that we come in contact with it. Why do you think it is? Why do you think it is that Christians sometimes can be so unloving? I think it's because A, we don't read this, and B, maybe we read this, but we don't do this, we don't obey this. What do you call a Christian who doesn't love? Disobedient, out of fellowship with God, and I heard somebody whisper it, a hypocrite. Somebody who believes one thing and does another thing. So we're supposed to leave an impression of love on everyone we come in contact with. So why should we do that and how should we do that? I wanna show you two places in the Bible where it talks about the love, the, the way in which we're supposed to leave an impression of love on everyone because everybody's got a different definition of love. I love Chick-fil-A. I mean, it, it's, it, it's the closest thing we'll ever experience to manna. You know, I love Chick-fil-A. I also love my wife. But if I had to choose between a spicy chicken biscuit and my wife, be a tough choice, but I choose my wife, <laughs> um, right? There's different kinds of love, right? Different kinds of love. So what kind of love is God calling us to? Here's the first thing that we learn. Flip over to John chapter 13. Jesus tells us, he actually commands us, he commands us to love each other. And that's the first thing we, we're learning. We're commanded to love each other. I'll explain why the North Korean dictator is on, on my screen in a minute, okay? But first, <laughs> first, before we talk about Kim Jong-il, I think we should listen to Jesus, right? Um, so let, let's read in John chapter 13. Um, I'll give you kind of a minute to turn there. It's a short passage, so if you don't have your Bible, just listen really well. Jesus, tell, he's talking to his disciples. They're alone in a room, and this is what he says. A new command I give to you, Love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this will everyone know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. So Jesus, here's what Jesus says to his, him and his, uh, the followers of Jesus, love one another. So what's he saying? He's saying everyone who follows Jesus should love other people who follow Jesus. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands in here tonight if you follow Jesus, um, but I know why it follows Jesus because... Uh, He's our youth intern, right? Um, so, um, 
So Wyatt and I both are following Jesus. So that means Wyatt and I are supposed to have a deep love for each other. <laughs> He's like, mm-hmm. So um, we, we're supposed to have a deep You realize everyone in the room here who is a follower of Jesus should have a deep love for everyone else in the room. Yeah. You guys back there whole, you know, hugging each other, that's good. That's brotherly love. That's good. We're commanded, we're commanded to love each other. But listen, Jesus explains how that's supposed to look. The first thing he says is, a new command I give to you, love one another. Jesus right here introduces a love that maybe has never really been understood before. And some people still haven't got this. Jesus says, love one another. The old way of loving was you take what you can get from people. You love people who love you back. You love people who are pretty. You love people who don't smell like they haven't taken a bath in two weeks. The new kind of love, Jesus says, is just love and don't put any conditions on it. Isn't there a song like about unconditionally? No. Um, but um, never mind. You guys don't listen to music, I guess. Um, the, the, new, the new command is love one another unconditionally. The old command is I'll love you, or not, well, I, should, I shouldn't say the old command because the new command was a technicality here, but the new command was part of the old command. The old way that people didn't know until Jesus came about was just take what you can get from people and that's love. Love is physical attraction. Love is, you know, if you know, being friends with this person can get you places, that's the old love. This is the new love. He says, this is a new command. Life under the old model's hard. You get used up. You ever been used up by someone, someone loved you, and then when they got all they could out of loving you, they went and loved your best friend? You know what I mean? Have you ever felt insecure because you think the only reason that people wanna be with you and the only reason that people say they love you is because they, they, they wanna be around you, and as soon as, if you, if you actually act the way you really are and you're not putting on a show for people, they won't love you anymore. So there's this, he says, there's new, this is a new command, Love one another unconditionally. That's the first thing he says. But then he, he, he makes it even more like, I guess, takes it up a notch. He says, as I've loved you, I want you to love one another. So how, here's the question. How did Jesus love? Unconditionally, definitely. You know, as Jesus was telling his disciples that, their feet were still wet. Do you know why the disciples' feet would still be wet? It's because like 15 minutes before, this is all called, the technical term is the upper room discourse. 15 minutes before Jesus told these disciples, I got a new command for you, love one another as I've loved you. Jesus lined all his followers up, all 12 of his disciples up. He got a bucket and a rag. He got down on his knees and he washed their dirty 153 or 135 degree sandy Middle Eastern feet. It probably hadn't been washed for a long time, and he served them. So when Jesus is saying, love each other as I've loved you, their feet are still dripping wet from being washed by God. So that changes the way we love people, right? We sacrifice for them. We give ourselves up for them. When's the last time you gave something up for someone you love? So it's this new kind of love. And how else did Jesus love? Jesus and this is where Kim Jong-il comes in. Kim Jong-il's watching his armies from like a distance. You know, Kim Jong-il never gets close to his armies because he's afraid they'll kill him because they don't like him because he's a dictator, right? Um, can I love Drew? Drew, you sit on the front row and I, pick, I feel like I pick on you all the time. If I never get any closer to Drew than this distance right here, it'd be pretty hard, right? I mean, how you doing over there, Drew? <laughs> you know how I love Drew? 
I sit down next to this fine young man and I talk to him about how his day goes and I check up on him every day. That's how you love someone. You can't love people from a distance. You can't love people from a distance. And you know what Jesus had done with his disciples, how he loved his disciples? He spent three years living with them. He knew how cranky Peter could be when he woke up too early in the morning, right? He knew how weird, how Thomas's hair did this weird thing in the morning, right? Like, like, like yeah, yeah. He, he knew which disciple shouldn't eat too many olives or he'd pay for it later. Like, Jesus knew everything, the things that you would learn living with people and being close to people. Jesus was close to him. You can't love people from a distance. So when Jesus says, love each other as I've loved you, he's specifically talking to Christians at this point. He's saying, you guys gotta be close. You gotta be tight. Um, further on in John, Jesus prays that all of us would be as close as he is to the Father. How close is Jesus to God the Father? That's pretty... That's pretty tight, yo, as some people would say. That's pretty tight. So we're, we're commanded to love each other, but we can't love each other from a distance. We gotta get involved in people in, in each other's lives. And here, Jesus was calling them to be close, but you know what is sad, and you know what ends up happening sometimes is we don't get close. And the impression that we leave on others, rather than they look at, they look at our youth group or they look at Christians, they're like, my goodness. Yeah, I don't agree with everything they say, but man, they got some kind of weird love going on over there, like, like, I'm not totally sure about it. Like, they're almost, like, too in love with each other. It's, like, almost weird. Like, like they're, always, they're always taking care of each other, and they're always checking on each other, and they're always lifting each other up. Wouldn't that be awesome if that's the impression that we leave? But I've got all these little, um, these little Play-Doh cookie-cutter things. But you know what? Sometimes the impression that we leave is this is the best. I was trying to find a llama, but I couldn't find a llama, um, which is really sad. Like, somebody needs to make a llama cookie-cutter, like, Find it for me, Amazon it for me, and I'll use it next week. Um, but you know what the impression is that we usually, unfortunately, a lot of times, leave on people from the way we live as Christians? I don't know if you can tell what this is. Can anybody tell what that may look like? Not a pig. It's the most demonic, it's the most demonic creature to ever walk the face of the earth. It's called a cat. Um, and you know what, cats, cats don't like me. That's why I say that. You know what cats do to me when I walk by? They go like this. <laughs> and how sad is it that this is the impression we leave on others? The only thing they hear about Christians is how much they fight. The only thing they hear from you as a Christian is how much you dislike somebody else in your church. You think we're leaving an impression of love? Jesus says we're commanded to love each other. He says, by this will everyone know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So according to Jesus, mission trips are important, but that's not the be all end all. According to Jesus, going to church is good, but it's not the be all end all. The one impression we're supposed to leave on others, the most important thing we can do is that others know that we love each other. So the question is, if I asked one of your friends who doesn't go to church, what you say about us, what would they say? We're commanded to love each other. Um, the next thing, just two things, they're both C words. I'm really working hard to get some F words together, but it's not this week. A C word, the next C word is we are compelled to love the world. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter five. I'm not gonna spend much time here because pastor was like bawling on Sunday morning and he totally tore this one up and did a great job with it, so I'm not gonna get into it too much. But what it says um, is, in, ver in chapter five, verse 14, it says, 
For Christ's love compels us because we're convicted that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all that those who should no longer live for themselves, but for him and died, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Something interesting here, this word for compels, it's the word, it's really hard to pronounce, um, so I'm gonna try to say it as well as I can, sunexi. And here's what it means, here's what it means. It means to be seized, to be firmly taken hold of, or to be taken back by. So when we look at this, which I am excited about making more prominent in our stage, by the way, but when we look at this, this cross, something should grab our heart because we should have been the one that was hanging on that cross. Jesus took us, Jesus took our place on that cross, died for us, gave us so much grace that our heart, my heart is like this when I look at the cross and I know I'm not where I need to be spiritually if I can look at that cross and not be gripped with emotion. It says, we are compelled by Christ's love because we're convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And then further in this passage, he goes into this plea like, Please, we're God's ambassadors. Let's go tell the world to be reconciled to God. We're compelled to love the world because of what Jesus did in our hearts. You know, there's nothing I can do. It took me a long time to realize this, and I think sometimes in Christianity we lose sight of this. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more than he already does. There's absolutely nothing you can do to make God love you more than he already does. I know that, but you know what? After what Jesus did for me, after what Jesus did for me, even though I can't make him love him, me any more than he already does, daggone, I'm gonna try. Because I've been so compelled by what Jesus did for me. So we should be compelled. Here's, here's a, pastor was reading this in our staff meeting, this verse, and um, he was reading this verse where it says, one died for all and therefore all died, and he died for all. And he said, man, all those, all, he said, all the, with all those alls in there, he said, we should give a trick, before I read this, we should give a trigger warning for all Calvinists. Because um, <laughs> pastor's just funny like that. But all, one died for all. The same Jesus that died for you died for all. All of the sins of the world hung on that cross on Jesus' body when he died. Everybody you come in contact with is somebody that Jesus hung on the cross for. So I can't remember who posted this on, I don't even know what it was on. I think it was on Instagram. Somebody posted this, and I just had to screenshot it because I thought it was such a gripping picture of where a lot of people are, but we don't know it. And it says, no one knows how close I am to drowning. We see people who are in difficult circumstances, but we have no idea, we have no idea what is really pulling at them. And we're never gonna know until we get involved in their lives and we love them and we leave an impression on them. You can't leave an impression from a distance. You can't love from a distance. Remember, you gotta, you gotta be there. I think, we, I think we know this. If you've come to church for any period of time, you've heard this. You got this. But I think what we struggle with is we don't act on it. We know we're supposed to love people. But when was the last time you took time out of your day specifically to show somebody the love of Christ? And I'm asking that to me too because this is something I struggle with. I'm thankful that God gives us kind of a, <laughs> he kind of gives us a list of what love should look like. Um, this is the final place I'm gonna have you turn, I promise. We're almost done. 
just back up a little bit, back that thing up a little bit to 1 Corinthians 13. You wanna know what love is? I wanna know what love is. Want you to show me. Well, I'll show you, okay? Here it is, okay? And by the way, if you're one of those note takers, you're gonna hate me, um, but, but, but here's the good thing. I put it on the app. Download the Refuel app if you don't have it. This list of, I've, I've come up with, I call them the love questions. <laughs> Couldn't think of a more original name. So these are the love questions. So here's the first question. In, well, let me read First um, Corinthians for you so you kind of know where we're coming from. It says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always preserves. So these questions all come from this verse. Here's the first thing you should ask. And by the way, I've, I asked myself these questions. There were a couple of these questions that were like daggers to my heart. If you can read through all these and one of these is not a dagger to your heart, you need to reread them because there's, there's areas for all of us to grow in these questions. The first one is, who drives me insane and how can I love them? That may begin in your house, you know. <laughs> um, who drives me insane and how can I love them? Love is patient. That's what the Bible says. Be patient. You know what loving people means? Sometimes it's though, even though you want to pick up a tree and knock them out, you don't. That's love. We think love is this like, oh, I just want to love on you, Avery. <laughs> Avery's thoroughly freaked out now. Um, <laughs> Love is not this sissified thing. Love is self-control, meaning, hey, you totally ticked me off. I have every right to pick up a tree and knock you out, but I'm not going to. So who drives me insane and how can I love them? The next question, am I approachable? White and I deliver backpacks every week. And um, we, we go to various schools, and there's this one lady who works the desk at, at one of the schools, and she's not exactly what I would call approachable. She's more like bulldog. Um, <laughs> she's got, you know, she, she, she's there, she's like, and, you know, when I, I walk up, we walk up with fear and trembling, <laughs> like, like on our knees, like, can we please drop off this food to kids that need to eat, you know, like, 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 um, and she's actually a pretty nice person, but her demeanor and the way she kind of acts at first, I would never want to tell her if I was struggling with anything, like, I'd be afraid she'd bite my head off, um, some of us, we, we're like, man, why doesn't God send anybody, to anybody for me to love? Maybe it's because you walk around like this down the hallway. Nobody dares. Nobody dares come up to you. Um, when it says love is kind, what that means is, um, if you kind of look this word up in the way it's used, it's like an outer way of being kind toward others and being approachable. How approachable are you? Um, Am I approachable? The next one is, can I be, this is hard, can I be happy for people who get what I want? This is one of the ones that was hard for me. Um, the Bible says, love does not envy. You know what? I can't love people if I'm not satisfied with Christ. If Christ isn't enough for me, I'll never be able to love other people. Be satisfied with Christ. So can I be, that's a hard one, can I be happy for people who get what I want? There's, there's two that I kind of grouped into one. It says, love does not boast and it is not proud. Who would I love? Who would I love if I didn't care who noticed? 
think sometimes the reason we don't love others and we don't make an impression on others is because we're afraid of what people around us are gonna think. We're afraid of what our friends are gonna think. We're afraid they're gonna be like, why did you talk to her? I mean, with the shoulders and the head and the neck and everything, I mean, the whole body just don't want these things. Why did you talk to her? You know, who would you love on? Who would you make feel they mattered if you didn't care who noticed? Why don't you put God's mission over your social life? Um, here's the next one. Be considerate. How often do I care about how others feel? How often do I care how others feel? It says, does not dishonor others. It has to do, depending on what version um, you read, what you'll learn is it has to do with the way in which you talk and the way in which you're considerate about how others would react to what you're saying. How welcome do you think some, how, how welcome do you think a gay person would feel in our youth group if we're making a bunch of gay jokes? How welcome do you think someone who's a minority would feel if we make jokes about people based on the color of their skin? That's a tough one. How often do I care about how others feel? How often do I consider others? Here's the next one. Um, <clears throat> how much of my day revolves around what I want? This is a hard one for me. I got my whole day planned out around me. You know what I have, I'm learning to ha- I need to do? I need to block off just some, in the words of my philosopher friend, um, T. Swift, some blank space in my schedule so that I can not be so busy and remember that I'm not the center of the universe and what other people need is probably more important than what I need. I need to be selfless in a selfie generation. Um, the next one is, do I need, who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to forgive? It says, love is not easily angered and does not keep record of wrongs. Man, who is it that you've got the ledger out and you're like, she took my boyfriend. He took my spot on the football team. Who is it that you need to forgive? My dad left me and he's not in my life anymore. Who do you need to forgive? Be forgiving. Next question. When was the last time I stood up for what's right? Be courageous. Maybe the reason we don't stand out to others is because we never stand up. And what it says is love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. Here's the next one. What am I willing to carry for someone else? What am I willing to care for someone else? It says it always protects. Always protects. And it always, some versions say it always, it bears all things. And when I say bear, I don't mean like bear. I mean like carry, bear, right? Bears all things. You know what I've learned? The best way to, to love people, I found, you find out what they need. Find the need and attack the need. Find the need and attack the need. Someone needs a, a person to hang out with on Friday night, you know what I'm gonna do? Next four Friday nights, it's all you, bro. Find the need, attack the need. The next question, do I judge people before I even know them? It says always trusts and always hopes, as this idea of being innocent. Have you ever judged somebody based on what their ta- the tattoos they have, the piercings they have, the shirt they're wearing, or what you've heard said about them that you don't even know to be true? Be innocent. Jesus says to be innocent as doves. Um, The final one, who have I given up on? Who have I given up on? Is there somebody you tried, (laughs) you tried to love on them, they just got what, they just, they never seem to get it. They never seem to get it. They never seem to get it. The final one it says is love always perseveres. 
be stubborn and be hopeful and never give up on someone. I hear all these stories about people who you pray for and you pray for and you pray for and you pray for um, and years and years later, they accept Christ. So who have I given up on? So here's the final thing I wanna tell you and then we're gonna get our tag going and get out of here. Um, love works. You know what I was really proud of with some of you? Um, last week, Thursday, we were hosting the Huntington Eye football team for dinner. And there's a lot of things you could do, could have done that night, but you know what? You came. And you didn't just come and sit there like a bump on a log. You served them food. You welcomed them. You played foosball with them and ping pong. You played trash can with them. Drew went over there and he muscled his way to eat spaghetti with the, like two, three of the biggest players on the team. He's like, what up, my name's Drew. And so many of them were so appreciative and they're like, we like coming here because you don't just serve us food but you actually talk to us. One member of the football team gave his life to Christ. That's awesome. Another one, Wyatt's resurrecting our, our, our Twitter account. As he left, apparently he grabbed one of our wristbands and he tagged us on Twitter. He said, thank you for having us. You know what it means to leave a mark on others? To leave an impression? I did find a heart-shaped cookie cutter. And wouldn't it be great if rather than being the impression of a hissing, dramatic cat, we were the impression of love. We are the impression of love. So what I'm asking you to do tonight, um, what I'm asking you to do tonight, Wyatt's gonna take over and finish our night up here. Um, as we kick off our tag, and Wyatt's gonna explain what that is and what we're doing. As we kick off our tag, what I want you to know is this. It's all about, is this too cheesy? Is this too corny? It's all about leaving an impression of the love of Christ on everybody we come in contact with whether it's in our youth group, whether it's in our schools, whether it's on our teams, and tag is how we're gonna do it. Um, tag is how we're gonna do it. So let me pray for you guys. Um, then I'm gonna introduce the McCabe to you, and uh, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna finish our night out with tag. Uh, Father, thank you, uh, thank you, thank you for loving us. That's what grips our heart. That's what compels us more than anything else. Um, to follow you because our, you, want, you didn't just win the victory over sin and death. You won our hearts that day on Calvary um, when we saw the only one who could truly be described as a hero. That's you hanging on a cross in our place. So as you have loved us, we wanna love others. Uh, Father, we can't, we can't be in charge of everyone else and whether or not they leave impressions of love on the people they come in contact with, but we can be in charge of ourselves. We can change ourselves. We can resolve to love people. So God, I pray that we will do that. I pray that as we get ready to launch our tag groups, that these groups will be a place where we grow closer to each other, where we pray for people who don't know Jesus, and where we truly follow your command to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.